I'm Paul Comfort. Welcome to the special edition of the award-winning podcast, Transit Unplugged. On today's episode, we continue with our seven-part series on transit in the land down under of Australia. On this episode, I visited with Emma Thomas, who is Director General of the Transit System in the federal capital city of Australia, Canberra. Canberra has a bus system and just opened up a brand new light rail or tram system there. And Emma talks about her transit system, some of the innovations they have going on, her background, and her approach toward managing this system. I think you'll find this a fascinating look inside a transit system in a federal capital city, and also what it takes to run one there in a very political environment. All that on this episode of Transit Unplugged. What does it mean to be a successful public transit agency? What are you doing to lead the way? It's time to learn from the top transit professionals in North America. This is Transit Unplugged with your host, Paul Comfort. Welcome to Transit Unplugged. I'm your host, Paul Comfort, and excited to be today with Emma Thomas, Director General of Transport, Canberra, and City Services, which is the capital of Australia, as we continue our Transit Unplugged Australia tour, Transit Down Under. Thanks for being with us today, Emma. Oh, you're welcome, Paul. Thank yeah. you for having me. Yes, you were just uh, in a association meeting here with a bunch of your other CEOs. Why don't you tell us about, since you're from the federal city and you oversee the transit system there, which is very similar to Washington, D.C. in America, uh, tell us about transit as a whole in Australia. Nobody's told me about that yet. So can you give us kind of an overall view and then bring it down to your system in the capital city? Well, like the rest of the world, Australia has a lot of people that reside in cities today. Uh, we have large populations in our cities, large growing populations in our cities. And so the subject of public transport particularly has become very popular. Uh, it's very important for people's lives, how they move around cities, where they don't want to spend lots of time in congestion, lots of time in not doing the things right. that they really want to do. Right. The conversation has definitely increased over the last few years to really focus on those transit systems across Australia. And it seems like Australia is a very, currently a very pro-transit country. I mean, we were just in this city of Melbourne yesterday, the prime minister was here announcing a brand new project of, uh, you know, of transit. So, and all the CEOs we've talked to so far have been very excited about the investment that's mm -hmm. coming at their state level as well into transport. Are you, are you seeing this as a great time to be in transit here in Australia? Oh, it's a, an awesome time to be involved in transit. And there is an unprecedented uh, infrastructure investment going on, on across the country. A lot of people point to the pipeline of projects that exist across the country and yes. just how much that has increased over time. It comes with a cost of uh, resources and making sure we have enough resources to, to put into these projects, uh, but we shouldn't let that stop us and uh, the, all the projects are, are getting you know, a lot of attention right now. That's good. So tell us about your system and what you oversee, kind of the scope of service and what type of buses, <coughs> rail, that kind of stuff. So Transport Canberra is primarily today about buses. We have a bus network that's about, you know, something over 400 buses. Okay. 
uh, and for a population in Canberra of over 400,000 people. So we're a small city but growing quite quickly like the rest of the Australian cities. The government announced a number of years ago that they were going to build and invest in light rail in Canberra. Okay. And so for the past five years, we've been building up the light rail project. It's just about to start now. Oh, so, really? Uh, oh, we're exciting. expecting next month, April, really? that we will have the first operational light rail line going in Canberra. So we're very much interested in integrated transport system, similar, you know, same ticketing system, seamless travel for people where they can move from bus to light rail and also starting to explore how we bring in ride share, exploring how we bring in bike share into the systems that we see today. That's great. So how did you end up as CEO of, uh, of the capital city of Australia's transit system? Oh, my goodness. So it's a bit of a long story. I'm an aeronautical engineer. Really? Yes. And so I joined the Air Force many, many years ago and then migrated to, to working for Boeing for okay, a long sure, time. Yeah. Then had a complete change and started working in different transport industries. So I worked in roads and road infrastructure. And then uh, I went to South Australia where I was the rail commissioner down there and also looked after all of the public transport system before moving to Canberra to build light rail. So are you from Australia? Yes. You're one of the only CEOs we've talked to. Oh. That is. <laughs> Yay. Uh, uh, you know, we've got French and, and British and now Australian. <laughs> and, you know, uh, it's obvious you're a woman. So yep. it's in an industry that seems to be dominated still at the top levels by men, of which I'm one. <laughs> so, uh, but tell us about a little bit about women in, in transport. We had Women's Day this last this last week across the world. You know, there are remarkable women throughout the whole industry. I think um, sometimes we don't look hard enough to find them and bring them into to things. I'm very fortunate in my transport organisation. I have three very senior women uh, within my organisation. So we've got to make sure that we're keeping the progression of women going through. There's that old adage, you can't be what you can't see. And uh, if, oh, that's good. if yeah. people can't see women at the top of these companies, then maybe they just don't know that that's available to them. And how long have you been in the role of CEO? I've been in this role, oh, I've been in Canberra for five years and okay. I was the CEO of the rail project, but now I'm looking after all of Transport Canberra as well as the city services. So I also uh, look yeah, after roads. Yeah, tell us about that. What's that? Yeah. Roads and, you know, some of the municipal services, stormwater, streetlights. Is that right? That's things. all under you? Yeah, footpaths. They all contribute to our overall transport network right and, uh, so it's very I think it's a great thing to have those, those good. elements brought together I've got a good friend whose name is Tina Quigley and she is CEO of Las Vegas transit system yeah. and she started in the aviation industry and worked at the airport there and she also is over the roads and the lights and a lot of the other stuff so very similar yeah yeah <laughs> she's great she travels all over the world and talks and very innovative like I know you are so tell us um, the, the agency itself, talk about your agency, the you know, number of employees and, and uh, you know, baby budget and how it's structured. Do you report to a board or the mayor? Or tell us kind of that, how it works. Uh, I report to a minister or actually two ministers within the uh, ACT. AC, Australian Capital Territory is the... Okay, uh, that's what ACT stands for. Yeah, yes. okay. is the, um, the, the province or state. Yes. 
and uh, Canberra is, is the capital of that as well as the capital of Australia. So it was set up to be like a capital city, like Washington, D.C. is, where yeah. land was carved out of neighboring areas and said, this is going to be our federal city? That's correct. Okay. And yeah. So we have 1,600 employees within my organization. Okay. Not all of those are involved in transport. Some right. of them are involved in the municipal services as well. Uh, and I always like to say, you know, our, our whole mission is about making the city attractive, safe and easy to move around. That's really simply what we do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, we want to be a competitive city in Canberra. Mm-hmm. We're competing on the world stage to get people to want to come here, want to set up their businesses. So uh, we, we provide quite an important role in making the city livable. Mm. I like to say we put the livability in Canberra. So that's our role. Do you operate paratransit as well, separate service for people with disabilities? We do. We have a flexible bus service. Okay. So um, that, that flexible bus service is used for school transit for children that might not be able to take ordinary school transport. Okay. And then between those school peaks, we use the service for a number of other other yes. opportunities. So like everywhere else, we're trying to use our resources as much as we can to serve right. as many people as we can. Do you outsource any of your operations or are they all handled by your own employees? No, they're all government run. Okay. We have done some work with Uber uh, in Australia, in Canberra, where we do some first mile, last mile work for some of our late night services, particularly in the summer where more people are out and about. Canberra is quite a cold city, not as cold as North America, granted, but uh, it gets quite cold in the wintertime. But in the summer months where there's long daylight hours, we're using Uber to, uh, uh, or we're working with Uber to help get people home. Gotcha. And are you integrated into any other transit systems that connect into the city, that go outside of the city? Do any other agencies come in and... Well, uh, we do have other agencies in our border state, which is New South Wales. There are some border services, for bus services that come across the border because quite a lot of people live outside of Canberra and come into Canberra for work every day. But also we're very interested and we've been working with the New South Wales government to bring about a faster rail network between Sydney and Canberra. Okay. So at the moment there is a rail line between Sydney and Canberra. It takes about four and a half hours. It's very long. It takes about three hours to drive. Who runs that? Uh, it's run by Sydney Trains, so when you speak to Howard, he'll yes, be able okay. to talk to you about that. But we're really keen. We think there's enormous advantage to um, bringing people between the two cities a lot sure. faster. One of the big conversations in Australia at the moment is about affordability and housing affordability because the cities are becoming quite expensive. And uh, if we can bring people closer together through transport, then we can get people into cities or towns where the affordability is much better in housing. That's right, yeah. When I left the MTA in Baltimore, we were studying a uh, high-speed rail Mm -hmm. between Washington and Baltimore. And the theory was housing is very cheap in Baltimore. It's very expensive down there. And so you could almost create... uh, you could level out the expenses. Yeah. And, uh, and it sounds like what you're talking about there. By transport has a way so that you don't have to live right downtown. But it's definitely got to be quicker than four hours. <laughs> yeah, four hours yeah. is no good. Yeah. But, you know, if we can get it sort of three hours or less, then you're competitive with people's alternative choices. That's right. And also with flying these days because, you know, once you start going through security and being yes. there a certain amount of time ahead, then rail is becoming a lot more competitive in, in that time frame. That's right. Yeah. And then you can have a nice seat on your rail line. You can oh, walk yeah. around. You can go to the bathroom. You can plug into Wi-Fi. You can have meals. It's right. It's great. Oh, Good I love rail, yeah. So what's your vision for what you're doing for your overall trans system 
Any new innovations you've got going on or you're, you're envisioning? Our government is really focused on sustainability and carbon emissions. Okay. So uh, the government has brought in an initiative to be 100% renewable energy by 2020. What that means... That's like next year. That is like next year. <laughs> so it's, you know, we're, we're a very progressive city and the people in the city are very supportive of moving towards this uh, renewable energy. What that means, when you take out energy, the greatest source of carbon emissions is coming from transport. Mm. So 60% once you take out energy, 60% of carbon emissions in Canberra are coming from transport. Wow. And that's not all buses, that's private vehicles as well. Mm -hmm. But uh, our focus is certainly on how we become more progressive and remove those carbon emissions. And so uh, our focus is very much on whether we deal with electric vehicles, hydrogen vehicles, right. what, are the, what are the various options that are available to us right now. You know, we're sitting at a time, a cusp in his, history where there's a lot of change and the manufacturers really haven't started to manufacture in anger yet of, <laughs> with these new vehicle types. So uh, it's all a bit trial and error. And yes. so we've been trialling a couple of electric buses and an electric hybrid bus. How about hydrogen? Have you done anything there? We haven't done anything with hydrogen yet. I was talking to some people in Western Australia who yes. trialled hydrogen for quite some time. So we're just trying to get connected with various mm -hmm. groups that are doing it because if we have a big electric fleet, we need to understand what that does to the power grid. Right. We don't want to dim all the lights in the suburbs of the bus depot where yeah. we can come home and plug them all in at right. night. But also, what else can you do with these batteries that are full of energy storage? Yes. And, well, I need to connect you then, and I will, with Lauren Skyver. Lauren is CEO of Sunline Transit in Coachella Valley, California, and she is the leader of hydrogen power buses in America. She is creating a hydrogen unit University, where yeah. they're training people how to do it. They're Fantastic. putting. She's actually cr creating a generator to generate hydrogen, which she'll sell back into the market. So when we're done, I'll get you her contact info. Excellent. Yeah, you can Deal. See. Yeah, there you go. Kind of blue sky thinking. Mm. We're constantly looking for what you know. As you mentioned, transport. The way I've broken it down personally is mobility is life, right? If you can move around, you can have a life. People that are stuck in a nursing home or stuck in their own home and they can't get out for some reason, they don't really have much of a life and they need mobility to get them out. And transport equals mobility. So transport equals life. That's my that's my Einstein formula I've come up with. And well, I, I, have a, I have a theory that sort of that pulls on from that is that, you know, there's a lot of conversation in the world at the moment about mental health. And I think there's a really big correlation between how easy it is to transit, trans have transport around you and what that environment looks like yes. and your mental health. Oh, that's if beautiful. If you think of people yeah. getting so frustrated or upset or stressed by the pressures of just trying to get from point A to point B, yes. And I think there's a really big avenue of, of research and study and understanding of just what creates a better lifestyle for us all. Exactly. And public transport, you know, there's been plenty of studies to show that, that people are happier when they're on public transport because they, they don't have to worry about the driver that cuts them off or That's right. all these other things that happen in their day. Yeah. In fact, I saw a TED talk that was done by a couple of guys from the US uh, a couple of years ago who were trying to do a journey planner for the that 
allowed you to pick your happiest route to work. Ah, I and love it, that. it was for active travel, which was yeah. great. But you know, I think that there's a real notion in that that if you pick the route that is likely to be the calmest or most peaceful, we haven't built that into our journey plan. No, we yet. haven't. And I think there's a great opportunity to I do that. I love that. That's yeah, really I think interesting. It is really interesting. Yeah. So you know, and then you know, you, you take that to your health. And uh, I think it was Oklahoma City, maybe I read a report from there where they had a, a problem with obesity in the city, which is something we're all probably grappling with across the Western world. And Too much they had focused on public transport as being part of the answer to that because when we use public transport, we all walk more. Right. And we have kind of, when we're driving from point to point and not, and just getting out of the car and getting straight to where we want to go, that might be convenient, but we're not moving as much. Mm -hmm. So cities where there's lots of public transport, London, New York, where you would never take a car, you think about how much more you walk during that time. That's true. So I'm quite interested as well in our journey planning, how we give people the ability in journey planning to give them the best health outcomes. That's interesting. Mm. I don't think I've ever heard anybody talk about that before. Well, the role of uh, the role that. of transport in, in health, the health of your city. That's right, yeah. and health is becoming such a big cost and burden to society. I think transport needs to play its part in getting involved in this conversation and and really helping people to make choices right. that give them contribution to their health. That's good. We'll have to, I, I was with a guy today that, that uh, is a researcher here. Uh, his name is uh, Professor Graham Curry. Oh, yeah, I know, should Graham. ask him to study that. <laughs> I should ask him to study that. Yeah, he does a great yeah. study, Graham. Yeah. <laughs> You've talked about the health side of things. What else do you love about public transport, and what is it that makes it such a special avenue? I mean, I know that when I used to work, especially in paratransit, I would come home every night feeling very fulfilled. I feel like I'd really help people, you know, that, that need it the most people with disabilities that would be stuck in their home or stuck in an institution if we couldn't provide them a lifestyle choice of being able to move. What do you love about transit? Oh, well, I mean, we our people at the front line are the most caring, compassionate people you can see in any profession. I've seen them just do so many things that are just all about human nature and being kind to people, and they deal with that every day. So I really do love that contribution to the city that it makes. And, you know, at a big picture level, public transport contributes to the economic energy of a city. And you move that many people around at once anywhere, then the city is much better off for it. Uh, I think the, the side of public transport that worries me at the moment, and it's been a conversation we've been having today and with other CEOs, is that of um, antisocial behaviour, mm. which seems to be on the rise. And so we link that back to the earlier conversation of mental health and other pressures that people have in their lives. But our, our frontline people are experiencing more than ever difficult situations where they're confronted with people who are either physically assaulting them, verbally assaulting them. It's a difficult job. And we, we you know we're all working to try and find ways to protect our people better for that. That's good. So today you were at a, uh, how do you say, Austral Australasian, Australasian, Australasian Rail, Association. Uh, Rail Association board meeting. Yes. So we have a similar organization in America called APTA, American Public Transit Association. A lot of other places have UITP. Tell us about the role of this organization here in Australia and the kind of things you all do together. This is an industry body that represents rail and rail interests in Australia uh, across all parts of rail, not just 
passenger transport. Oh, uh, freight as well? But also does freight okay. as well. And all parts of the industry, because the industry is pretty broad in rail. You know, there's consultants and there's different groups that do different things. So it's about understanding just how we can bring different parts. We, we share common interests and mm-hmm. this is about the conversation across those common interests to make sure that we can, as a, as a whole industry, progress. That's good. I, earlier today, I saw you this morning when I was headed up to speak at a group of, of your association on asset management and all your mid-level managers mm-hmm. and upper-level managers that are working on asset management are sharing best practices. Yes. Uh, that's a wonderful, real working, practical organization. Yes, and so I just talked about antisocial behaviour. We have a group of similar people across our, all of our organisations who are getting together to talk about best practice there. Uh, we talk about customer experience. We've got lots of different groups that are doing lots of different things. But the whole idea is to share that best practice and not in areas where people are necessarily competing, but we think particularly areas like safety, you know, there is no competition. We all want to be the safest. Right. What are you doing in your city? You mentioned earlier maybe bike share and other sharing programs. Talk about that some and how you're implementing that. Are you the aggregator of those services or are private companies coming in and kind of honing in on your territory? We have private companies coming in. I think, you know, we were probably a few steps behind the whole notion where a city puts in a fixed docked bike share system and we were fortunate not to have that system so private industry could come in and Okay, and yeah. uh, offer something, and we've, we're running a trial in Canberra at the moment. Uh, it's been pretty successful. People seem to be really responsible with the bike share. We haven't seen touch wood, some of the, yes. the problems that other cities have seen where bikes get used as forms of art. Uh, um, <laughs> what about, like, scooters? Have you seen that happen oh, yet? Well, we have, Canberra would be a great place for electric scooters, um, and we're having lots of conversations with people at the moment. We have to understand the safety yes. aspects of that more than anything. We've been talking to Auckland and Brisbane who have loads of scooter use. I was up in Brisbane last weekend and the people on scooters everywhere, it's such a fantastic thing. And we understand that the first mile, last mile problem around public transport seems to be a lot of people seem to be using these electric scooters to do that first mile, last mile thing. So what a great solution for public transport we just got to make sure we don't run over too many pedestrians and yes. deal with all of the other things at the same yeah. time. There's a lot of anecdotal discussion about people ending up in hospital because they do go pretty quickly. Yes, they do. Yeah. yeah. Uh, They're super I've, I've almost been run over myself in Memphis. <laughs> so uh, what about uh, autonomous vehicles? What do you see happening here in Australia there? We've had quite a few trials going on in specific cities it hasn't been as quick as as maybe other places. I think in Canberra we're running a trial with a, an organisation called Seeing Machines. Okay. It's an Australian company and that company is looking at the human reaction of being in an autonomous vehicle because ah. we haven't really studied, you know, what that means to, to us in, you know, when we take the control away from us altogether. Right. So that's that's an interesting sort of view of autonomous vehicles. We're really interested in whether we can do some stuff soon. I think university campuses and sort of those sort of places where you have quite a big walking distance, but it's not really big enough to run a full-size bus service seem to be good opportunities. Yeah, and I think also maybe expanding service into small areas where you can't fit a 40-foot bus. Are you operating large buses in your yes. city? Do you also do kind of mid-sized buses, 30-footers? Or? Only for our flexible bus services. Okay, yes, right, that makes yeah. sense, yeah. 
Yeah, I, I was in, um, as I mentioned, Las Vegas earlier, and they're running a pilot. They've been running the pilot for about a year. They were the first ones in America to run, to run that. And in Switzerland, they're running one integrated right into the regular route service, an autonomous vehicle. And it is interesting to see people's responses. Right now, there's still people in the vehicle. Yeah. safety drivers or whatever you want to call them. But I think uh, within the next couple of years, you'll see as the regulations catch up to what the marketplace is bringing and they allow for some of that, it'll be interesting to see if people will get on a vehicle with really nobody at the controls. It's a pretty exciting time because all of us can see the opportunity with autonomous vehicles. As we get older, as we have a greater ageing population, and losing your mobility is one of the most difficult things, as we were talking about earlier. So I think where you can see such strong application, no one will be able to stop it. Right. It won't be a you know, stoppable yeah. force. We will always want to move, migrate towards that. I think we just still haven't worked out quite what the human reaction is going to be to owning these vehicles, and whether mass transit, what the place of that is yes. in amongst all of this new system and network. And so it'll be interesting to watch how that, how that pans out. Along that line, I know you speak at a lot of conferences and are a leader in our industry. Talk about some of the hot topics that you're talking about now when you go out and what are you seeing in the industry? Uh, well, first, certainly in Australia, the infrastructure boom okay. and yes. uh, shortage of resources and skills. $50 billion or something, somebody yes, told me. It's yeah. massive and uh, having enough skills to do that. I mean, you know, it's great, great time for the industry, but, you know, we we've, can't just make engineers and technical <laughs> tradespeople overnight right, to right. do all of this stuff. So that is certainly a, a really hot topic of conversation and having capacity in our industry to build all of this stuff and operate that's put a lot of pressure on the system and so people are definitely talking about that. The other thing that, you know, in some discussions about technology and smart cities, I think that people are coming to terms with what that means and what the opportunities are a lot more. We're seeing the data being able to be collected so much more easily and teams starting to really understand how they can use that data. And I noticed with my own team, you know, when we're talking to bike share or scooter share or whatever we're talking to, the data comes up as something that's really important to us straight up so we can see where people are moving around and right. have better, you know, better able to service yeah. their, I mean, their needs. Having apps on your phone, smartphone apps, and being able to track not just when somebody gets on the bus, but where that journey ends is key. That's right. And what combination of modes they're using for those journeys so right. that we can help them with their choices because ultimately our job is to help the city move. And right. uh, if we're gonna do that effectively, then we've got masses of data available to us. So the better we understand that, the more we can do our jobs well. Very good. Is there any other topic that you wanted to talk about today? You've no, been, you've I think- been very yeah. informative and it's been a different <laughs> angle than what I've talked with other people about. I guess the, the last question I want to ask you about is, um, so we have listeners all over the world. And for um, women who want to get involved in transportation, want to move up in their career ladder, what advice would you give them? I don't think we should be restricted by thinking it's all got to be engineering degrees or something that's technical. And there's so many avenues in public transport into the, the public transport system. We, we, need, we have ticketing systems. We need economics and, and accounting and communication, such yes. an important skill. So I think it's not to be limited by 
what you think you bring to it, but really to bring your diversity into the industry because public transport, more than any other industry I've seen, is so diverse. Yes. It has such a different range of people who come from all walks of life, all different backgrounds, and uh, we need that diversity to be successful. So I would say um, join an industry that people love, people find difficult to tear themselves away from, and really is going to create opportunities forever because as we grow as a civilization, we're always going to need to move. That's right. And you're right. I haven't talked to any transit CEO who said, I started out my career wanting to be the CEO or the director general of a transit system. But like you said, once you start it, it is fulfilling. You are actually, you feel like you're doing something very important and it's mission oriented. You know, so many of our millennials now, they want their job to not just be a way they make money and it's about compensation, but it's really about aligning their inner core values along with what they're doing for a living and it makes you feel like I want to go to work. I feel good about what I'm doing. We have the best graduate program ever. You know, you talk about millennials. They are so engaged and so enthusiastic. For, for and with, They share their passion for public transport because they want to be able to move easily and, and they can see it. My transport planning team are all pretty young and gung-ho and I just, they just impress me every day by their passion that they share with the community. That's wonderful. Emma Thomas, thank you for sharing your passion for public transit with us today as a leader, not only here in Australia, but around the world, leading the capital city of Australia's transit system. Thank you so much for being with us. Thank you, Paul, for the opportunity. You've been listening to Transit Unplugged, powered by Trapeze Group. To stay up to date, subscribe on iTunes or Google Play, or join the conversation at transitunplugged.com. Thanks for listening.